Good to see you all again. I want to invite you to turn to Luke's fourth chapter, the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. If you are not sure where to find that, if you just flip to the New Testament, which begins with Matthew, and then go over a couple of books, you'll get to the Gospel of Luke, and then there's chapter 4. It really, I want to encourage us also, as you find this, just to remember as we are entering into this summer season, um, people uh, will be traveling and we want to uh, pray for traveling mercies and all those who are, but a lot of you are probably tempted to kind of to hang out at home and, and not actually worship with God's people. So let me encourage you to do that. When you say you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, that means also get up in the morning to worship. Yes? Just saying. It includes that. Yes? I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but uh, that is what it is. Chapter 4 of, uh, of the Gospel of Luke. We want to read that under that heading. Um, that says temptation and the will of God. And listen to this here as we read. Then Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, it is written, man must not live on bread alone. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So he took him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will give the angels orders concerning you to protect you and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not test the Lord your God. After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. Can I speak to you a little bit here as we begin about existential crisis? We find ourselves as individuals, as a nation, as people of the Western world, as Americans, all of that, we find ourselves in a moment of existential crisis. And it's not really all that new in a sense, right? We are asking questions about identity. Who are we? And graduates, you will have them to answer to ask that question with greater depth as new Avenues and new venues and new places and new situations and new thoughts and new everything comes your way. You know, in earlier generations, uh, late boomers, early Gen Xers, kind of, we may have asked the question, kind of the Woodstock kind of generation. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Asking the question, who are we as a people? 
What are we supposed to be as a nation? And so how, how are we supposed to find values and what is important and what is not important? That has moved. And now we are asking more individual questions. Millennials and Gen Zers, that is exactly the kind of questions that are being asked all the time. Who am I? And what am I doing here? What is my purpose? Why am I here? And it's an existential crisis. And as they always have done and always will do, these come with temptations. They are filled with difficult questions that forces us to make decisions in so many ways. And the story we just read here about Jesus' temptations is riveting in its detail in so many ways. Just think about it. Jesus was alone. They, they, nobody saw it. He must have told the disciples about it. And you ask, why did he tell the disciples about it? Because not only did he need to tell them about who he was and how that identity was shaped in his own thinking and life, at least from, from the human perspective, which is the only way we can look at this at this moment. But there's more to it. He, he needed them to see also how those kinds of questions, those kinds of temptations and tests are faced. There's something going on here that when we face those kinds of difficult, tempting type questions, they are identity shaping. They speak to and reveals to you who you are and who you desire to become. And there's really nothing has changed here, friends. It's been the same forever. You know, the question that came to Adam and Eve was the exact same question. Right? You know, why don't you take a bite of this fruit? You're only going to be wiser from it. And in that moment, they had to decide whether to give into that temptation or to follow what was the clear will of God. Jesus now is facing this kind of existential crisis. It's what it is. Let me back up a bit and just say that temptations, of course, comes to us always. No one escapes temptation at all. There are certainly many temptations we could avoid. There's no one, there's no virtue whatsoever in trying to put yourself in situations where, where temptations come your way and you know they're coming and you're just going to see how strong they are. That makes zero sense. There are plenty of temptations we could avoid. But they always come to us. Two kind of ways. One is, what do I need to do? And what would I want to avoid to do? Those are the kind of areas, things you would rather not do and things you would rather avoid. So look back at the story here, Jesus, and see where it's placed 
in the Gospel of Luke. What happens here in terms of creating identity and strength and decide in your heart and in your mind and with your actions who you are and who you want to become. It begins, it flows just that way, right? So we have, first we have the baptism of Jesus. Well, heaven opens and God speaks. Then we have the whole genealogy of Jesus, who he is biologically speaking, and Luke takes it all the way back. And so now the next point is this, where he faced with all these different things. This is a crisis moment. This is an existential kind of moments, and those kind of moments are identity-creating, friends. That's how it works. Opposition, difficulties, hard questions, questions that, that would have been answered a lot easier if we just looked at ourselves and our own benefit. They are there to grow you deep to grow you strong, to to help you become an actual Christian follower of Jesus. There's a reason, friends, why we have so many people around who carry the name Christian with, with no depth of character, no strength of spirit, no actual testimony of God's daily presence. Look at it here how Jesus will face some of these things. And oppositions and difficulty and, and uh, painful events can be strong. But they are shaping. It goes all the way back when David was writing Psalm 119, this most riveting of, of Psalms here. He, he writes in verse 67. He says here, Before I was afflicted, That is, before I got into trouble, before I was filled with pain, before my life became difficult, I went astray. But now, I keep your word, O Lord. It was good for me to be afflicted, so that I could learn your ways and hear the instructions from your lips. We may put it differently. Why did David not try or give in to the temptation of escaping these afflictions? It was exactly because he put God first and himself later. He took God serious and not himself quite as much. The affliction both shaped And revitalized who he was. It revealed to him his relationship and his need for God in a special way. Here's what I think happens a lot, friends. And let me just speak to you straight from my own heart. When when sometimes we face really, really hard defining questions questions that are just difficult to make because we know they will 
put us into a, a, a difficult situation. It will make us kind of confront things we'd rather not confront. It'll, or it'll cause us to, to not attain what we could have attained in other ways, whatever that might be. What we often do with these situations is we find another thing. We escape that, and then we find another thing to do that might be hard, but not as hard. And so all of a sudden we will prioritize lesser important things rather than confront the really life-shaping, difficult thing. Are you hearing me? I think that we're right there. There are always these two sides to temptation, the things we are tempted not to do, and the things we are tempted to do. So this is always the case. And we all stand there all the time. And so here, Jesus attempted right at the beginning of his ministry. It's like this is a prerequisite for him to clarify in his own heart how that worked. I don't know exactly how that worked out when he was in the desert alone. But it's the same pattern we see in all the great characters of Scripture and in all the great characters in church history, for that matter, that God puts them through these difficult identity-shaping events. If you go to Noah, that was the case. If you go to Abraham, that was the case. If you go to Moses, that was the case. If you go to David, that's the case. It's the case throughout Israel. Paul, all of them, that's the case. What made them great was exactly the way they responded to these difficult, difficult situations. It shaped their identity the same way it will shape yours. It, re- it will reveal to yourself, if you're honest, who you are. We get into these trials or temptations. And they're there to reveal to us something very deep about our life and the way we want to see our own reality in light of this. So, when you are bombarded with one question after the other, one temptation to kind of shy away, or one temptation to do what you shouldn't do. Here are the things that become clear here. Is it about you? Is it about God's will? How do you make sure that your life reaches this point of maturity, of depth, of strength, of meaning, and purpose? Well, let's just look at it uh, really quick on the different things that Jesus kind of went through. The first thing we see is, of course, that, that the devil is, is uh, tempting him or testing him, if you will, at the physical level. We all get, get into that. 
And notice here what is happening at the very surface of the whole thing. The first thing is that this was not happening because he was withdrawing from God. This was not happening because God had become distanced to him. In fact, it said it was a Holy Spirit that led him into that situation. It was a moment of spirituality, a moment where he sensed closeness to God. He had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and prayed, sought God for clarity and certainty in what he was about to do. And here it comes. Here it comes. Temptation to avoid taking the next step. To stay in the desert, so to speak. A lot of people get stuck in the desert. You know that. We're seeking God. We feel like we have a walk with God. And then God will challenge us to the next step. And we just say, hey, I'm good. I'll stay in the desert, so to speak. That's what we have going on right here. That is so often the case when you look at it right here that this is what the, the way the devil works as long as we're just good and then kind of withdrawing ourselves a bit and he has no reason to mess with us because we're not messing with anything really that he cares about but the moment we're challenged to step out and, and to meet this new situation. We're placed in front of a situation where a real hard decision makes it clear that he will expand what we can do for his kingdom. We'll be able to reach in what we couldn't reach in before. That's the point where he is just getting really busy. And temptation comes our way in so many fashions. And I think we need to kind of look at the context here. The temptation hits exactly where we are the weakest. Now, none of us would be tempted like Jesus was tempted. We all can envision the situation here. It's not hard to envision if you've ever been in somewhat of a desert filled with sandstone. You have seen how, how, you know, wind and rain and whatever will shape these kind of nicely rounded stones, right? That looks both in color and in shape kind of like a bread, yeah? None of you seen that? I can point to some place you can go see that if you're not care. Yeah, right? We know what that is. And, and if you were Jesus and you were hungry and you know you could just say, become bread, that would have been a temptation. Now, that would not be my temptation. Because I could not do that. But I think that is the very point. The devil will tempt you or if you just want to say temptation comes, it always comes at the exact point where you have an opportunity to choose. Am I going to go do the difficult thing? Am I going to follow God? Am I going to just do what is benefiting me? That's the point that we see here. And the, the process is always the same. It begins with a questioning. And here it comes uh, in some way at two different levels, if you will. The word here, if you are God's son, you can turn this into bread. That first word, if, in the original language, 
that our translation chose the word if they could have chosen the word since just as well. The word means both. And it's not clear what it should mean in this particular context. In some contexts, it is clear whether you should translate it if or since. So let's talk about those two things. If you are the son of God, that, that hits that, that kind of a emotional question. What, what about it? Can you trust God? What, what if I, I can't really do that? What if God is not faithful in what he has, trust, what he has told me? What, what if I'm not really God's child? What if he doesn't really exist at all and I kind of just grew up that way? Or, or that is how I'm thinking or, or whatever that might be. The, the if question comes at us from that emotional level. And it, it, regardless of, of the promises of God, that's where the devil comes in and God says everyone who trusts in Christ he gave the power to become children of God if you belong to God and then this is this question again of identity who are you what what do you trust what do you build your life on if you will that's the purpose and the meaning question but it also comes the other way. If, if that word should have been translated since, it's a, it's a rational question. Since you are the son of God, you can just do that. You don't have to question that. It doesn't matter because you're the son of God. You can do whatever you jolly well please. And he's trying to Make Jesus realize that it doesn't matter what God has said since that's the case. And think that comes with us too. Again, there's nothing new here. It was the exact same thing he said to Adam and Eve in regards. What can be wrong with eating a fruit? You're just going to be smarter from it. I know God has said that, but you know, you, you belong to him, you're in his garden. What could be wrong with you being smarter? And you see the principle, yes? Don't lie to yourself. I can sometimes try to do that to myself. You shouldn't do that to yourself. We say, well, I'm not like that. Yeah, yeah, we are. Right? We, we find reasonable arguments for just about anything. There's always an argument, right? If there's someone who is great at delivering arguments to you for whatever, it's the devil. Yes? Are we hearing this? Since this is always already the reality. We, we can follow that principle to just about Anything, then you find great argument for why, why it's more important for your children to participate like in a sports event than, than being in church. Why it's more important to find time for vacation than to be in church. Or why it's more important to be alone than to be with friends who need to hear testimony about God. We always have answers and arguments and reasonable sentences or statements. Or explanations. You know, some some event stands out in your mind. And I can't, my dad's old phrase was always, you know, 
It's the greatest mystery in the world is why do we remember what we remember and forget what we forget? There's not always a reason for that. We can remember the darndest thing that doesn't matter and forget some of the most important things ever. Here's an important thing I think I remember. I may have been five, it may have six, I don't remember. Little child anyway. And we were on vacation with my grandfather, my mother's father, who was, who was a farmer. And it had rained forever and the harvest had not come in. And we were at church Sunday morning and the sun was out that Sunday and it was dry and it was beautiful. And here's one of these things. I, just, I can do this and see it for my, you can see it in front of my eyes. Someone comes up and says, Mr. Ibsen was his name. How come you're not out harvesting? It's been raining for the next three weeks. You don't know. You got to get the harvest in. And he said, and I can still even hear the tone of his voice. He said, my friend, if God wants me to have the harvest in, he will make the weather dry on a regular work day. I'm here today to worship him. There's all kind of arguments for that. There's all kind of arguments. I can already kind of envision what's going on in your mind with that. But for this boy, that never have left my mind. Since you already belong to God. So let's move on to see what is happening here. This is this moment of identity and of existential kind of crisis. When we're facing decisions, we better be very careful that we are listening to God and not to the devil or the temptations. Man does not live on the physical level alone. I see time is flying I want to go another hour, but let me not do that. Let's just look really quick at some of these things. I'm going to have to jump uh, through a couple of things and then just go and look at the thing that I think relates to our situation right now. He's taken him first to the shortcut, and I'm going to kind of avoid speaking to that. Uh, right here just because of time uh, when he says, you know, just just do what I say and then you'll accomplish your goal anyway, right? Which was glory. And Jesus says, there's no shortcut where God is cut out to that. But then comes the next thing, which is, I think, maybe the most riveting when it comes to our particular time. When the devil is trying to tempt him or when temptations come Jesus' way, uh, really at the point of his prominence, his acceptance, his, his ability to be glorified, accolated, and praised by the people around him. If that is not what we're looking for today, I don't know what is. We all know what's going on with mental illness these days, right? We all know that much of the cause of that is isolation and focus in on social media of all kind, whether you're doing Snapchat or TikTok or, or Twitter or Facebook, whatever it might be. 
Instagram, whatever. We look at all these other folks that seem so glorious, so amazing. And we wish that could be us. And here the devil is taking Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple, the very place that all the people would look up to because they were waiting for the Messiah to come back from that very point. If Jesus had thrown himself out, he would have had the accolade and the praise and he would be number one trending everywhere if the angels had come to catch him. Weirdness. Here's the trouble. The misunderstanding that's supposed to carry that is when the temptation is to take this Bible verse that the angels will carry you on their hands, they will catch you, which was, just, was written to, to give comfort to those who are going through the most difficult of times because they had decided to be followers of God. And he's flipped it on his head. It's the same thing we do with the verse I quoted earlier, right? I can do all things through Christ, which was designed particularly what Paul is saying. I'm I'm in in deep trouble. I've tried to be so hungry. I've tried to be fed. I've been beaten. I've been been in good situation. I've been shipwrecked. I've been doing all these things. But Christ has given me the strength to continue to be his witness. That's the point right there. So, the temptation is always... To look at oneself first. Looking for personal glory. Not for strength. Not for purpose. Not for meaning. Not for depth. But it is in those times of crises. That our true identity. Will be revealed. And shaped. So let me end by simply seeing how, noticing how Jesus responded to all this. Because it comes our way all the time. The way he responded is twofold. First, he responded by quoting scripture. Which tells us the importance of knowing scripture, spending time in God's word, maybe memorizing and learning and, and always having ready in our heart the thoughts and the mind of God. And the other thing he's doing is every quote he's given pretty much comes from Deuteronomy, the very place where God gives his guidelines to the, in the Old Covenant for how to live. If that is not a reminder to us that our guide and our direction And our focus, so to speak, where do you look for guidance? It doesn't come from your own reasoning. It doesn't come from a Google search. It doesn't come from some kind of smart guy. It doesn't come from technocrats or from scientists or from from, uh, whatever kind of social media or talk show host or political pundit or whatever. It comes from the word of God. Follow him. Listen to him. 
And here, David, when he says, before I faced these things, I went astray. But God taught me in that school of struggle and difficulty when decisions were hard, when it was easy for me just to do what I wanted. He taught me how good it was and how good it is to follow his instructions. Can we pray, friends? Let's stand. Instead of me just giving an altar call first, let's spend some time praying like we have been doing. Things that come to mind. What has God spoken to you during these last 25 minutes? Names will come to mind. Decisions will come to mind. Difficulties that you are facing. Friends that you need to talk to. Enemies. Opponents. That you need to talk to. Life decisions. Church decisions. Speak to us, O Lord. Some may need to come and join the church like we've seen lately. Some may need to come to Christ in a new way. Some may need to come and ask for prayer, for renewal, or just prayer for a difficult situation. Lord, we'll be here. Speak to us. Like these words continue to shape us even as we go to a Bible study or we go home or we go someplace. May we not escape the riveting power of your word. Amen. Friends, uh, it's open here if you want to pray. One of the things we mentioned, may God speak to you.